0: me pray for us. Our Father, we thank you for this wonderful part of your word. We pray that we would have faith in you in the midst of storms. Amen. So I've got this, this book here. It's falling apart as our kids' Bibles often do because they just don't know how to pick up books very well. <coughs> and they're very heavy. So when our kids were smaller, this was the page which got the most attention in our house. And you can see why, because there's a big, big sort of, I think that's a disciple hanging off a mast. Um, yeah. It's a wonderful story, isn't it? Uh, but the thing is about this passage, it's not just for the kids, uh, it's for the grown-ups as well. Uh, it's one of those stories that we, we learn in, in church circles. Um and yet, this message is really important for us all here today. It speaks to the fears that we face in a fallen world. In this world, there's always something to fear, isn't there? Uh, whether we fear the words of others, that what people are saying about us, whether we fear what people really think about us, uh, we can fear all sorts of things. We can have a fear of flying. Uh, there can be a fear of spiders. Uh, we can fear not being able to handle a situation when it comes up. There's too many things that, that come towards us and we, we fear what will happen if we can't do it or if we fail. So whether it's in our personal lives or in the world around us, there are many things to fear in this world. Um, the situation in Ukraine, I've been looking at that over the past week and that's, and that's dreadful. Over a million refugees fleeing for their lives in the course of a week. The fear of war, the fear of a virus, the fear of the result of a scan, the fear of sickness. There's always situations which threaten to sink us. Um, And in these moments of distress, which inevitably do come upon us as people... These moments can lead us to doubt. They can lead us to, like the disciples in this story here, to be hopeless, to feel hopeless. We can turn away from God in these moments to despair. And so this passage is one of those those wonderful passages which speaks to life in a world which is full of fear. And here we see two kinds of fear. You might have noticed them. Two kinds of fear. A fear which despairs. and then an even greater fear, a fear that turns to God in faith, a fear of despair and a fear of faith. And the good news is that even though the storms they do crash upon us, Jesus is right there in the boat. That's the good news of this passage. So I've got three points today. Jesus sleeps in a great storm. Jesus speaks, and there is a great calm number 3 Jesus causes a great fear. So the first point today is Jesus sleeps in a great storm. And this shows us a glimpse of what faith what faith looks like in these situations. Let me read from verse 35. That day when evening came he said to his disciples let's go over to the other side leaving the crowd behind they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. So sort of imagine the scene here. Uh, it's been a busy day for Jesus. He's been teaching and the crowds, he's been busy. Um, and it's growing late. The, the, the sun is going down. Darkness is uh, coming and it's time to leave. So what do they do? They head out in the boats. Uh, they go out and the, it's the Sea of Galilee. And they try to go to the other side Now, we've got to remember the disciples here, these guys, most of them, some of them, are very experienced on the water. Some of them, at least, have made their living on this very lake catching fish. They know the currents, the shorelines, they know where the the rocks are, they know the water. And so even though it's late, I imagine that they would be confident in the journey. They know what they're doing. In this group of boats going across the lake across the lake, even though it's dark. And as often is as it is often in our lives, things don't go to plan in this situation. Verse 37: A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that was so that it was nearly swamped. Now I went camping a couple of weeks ago with a few people here. Uh, and I was in a tent and at night it was really windy one of the nights and the tent was going like this and it was literally blowing from side to side. But that had nothing on what's going on here in this passage. It's a great wind, the, the, the language says here. It's, the, it's a furious squall. You know what storms are like. When the wind blows, what do the waves do? They get bigger. They get bigger and bigger, larger and larger and they're breaking into the into the into the boat. Water is filling up the boat. The boat is, you could say, sinking. This isn't a drill. They're taking on water. And where is Jesus? The disciples wonder, where is he? Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? To put it mildly, the disciples are panicking. They react to Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? Uh, They accuse him here. What are you doing, Jesus? Aren't you supposed to do something, Jesus? We are going to die, Jesus, and you are, where are you? You're sleeping. But notice the contrast, the disciples and Jesus, notice the contrast. The fishermen panic and Jesus, the carpenter's son, is asleep. Think about that. Jesus sleeps. Jesus, who is He, the God, man, the Lord of this universe, is asleep because He's tired in the corner of the boat asleep on a cushion. I remember one time at an airport, my flight from Perth to Sydney was cancelled and it was really late at night, it was the last flight out of Perth and we ended up getting on a flight from Perth to Cairns and from Cairns to Sydney in one night. It's kind of like the three furthest points of Australia in one go. I remember how hard it was to get comfortable overnight on that plane, but imagine how exhausted Jesus must have been to be sleeping in a cyclone. Right, it's not exactly comfortable, and this shows us kind of his human nature. This is unlike us, isn't it? This is totally unlike us. We wouldn't be sleeping at this moment. Uh, Jesus, though, is sleeping in the chaos, and he's sleeping in the chaos of the people around him as well—the chaos that's going on in the hearts of those around him. Notice the contrast between the disciples and Jesus, the fishermen panic. Jesus, the carpenter's son, doesn't lose it. He's calm. Why? Because he has a confidence in his heavenly Father. He could sleep trusting his Father in heaven that this moment, this very moment, wasn't the time for him to die. There's something for us to learn here about faith, about trusting God. Now, we're not Jesus. We can't uh, put ourselves exactly in Jesus' shoes here, but he's the God-man after all. But we can learn things about faith from Jesus, for he is truly human as well as truly God. Jesus is, as the book of Hebrews says, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's the pioneer. He goes before us. He leads the way. He lived by faith before us so that we can live by faith in him and what he has done. He lived by faith in this storm. That's what we meant to see here when Jesus sleeps in the boat. In the storm, we see Jesus trust his Father in heaven, completely, without wavering. Jesus believed that his Father was good and would be with him. Even in the midst of a storm, he was at peace. Philippians four says there is a peace from God that transcends understanding. I think that fits this situation here, doesn't it? A peace that seems bizarre, given the circumstances of what's going on in the boat. We see Jesus at peace in the storm, and so this should lead us to know that whatever happens to us, friends, as Christians, we can we can know that Jesus has gone through storms. He knows what it's like to be in danger. He knows what it's like to be in a situation where nature itself is threatening. He went through this storm by faith. Now, as Hebrews says, he's our sympathetic high priest in heaven. He knows what storms are like. He went through them, and so he can show mercy and grace to us in our times of need when storms threaten us. Now, if Jesus sleeping in this storm is kind of extraordinary what happens next is truly miraculous this is the second point we see that jesus speaks and the great storm turns into a great calm verse 39 he got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves quiet be still then the wind died down it was completely calm this verse uh, literally says there's a great a great calmness now, maybe you looked out on a glassy lake and uh, you just see the, the clouds reflected on the water and the sun sort of bouncing off and an insect lands and there's sort of ripples. In this miracle, you see, it's not that just the wind stops and then a few hours later, the, 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 the sea grows calm. No, it's, it's instant. Just imagine you've done a load of washing at home and you've hung out the washing on the line and you realize the rain is about to bucket down onto your washing, what do you do? You could rush out and get the washing off the line. That is the course of action that we would do. Or you could speak to the clouds and tell the clouds to go away. Now, kids, do you know the rhyme, uh, nursery rhyme, rain, rain, go away, come again a, what? Another day. Rain, rain, go away, come again another day. Now. Kids, if you go outside, there's no, actually no clouds out there at the moment. Oh, there's one over there. Um, if you go outside and spoke to the clouds after church, do you think they would listen to you? No. no, no, of course not. But that's what Jesus does. Jesus speaks to the clouds, to the wind, to the waves. He speaks to them, and guess what? The weather listens. And instantly the waves turn to glass. You see, right through the, the Gospels, Jesus faces opposing forces. The crowds are questioning him. People are plotting against him. The evil one is doing his worst against him. And it's even, though it, it's even like here in this, in this part, it's like the weather is out to get him. And although people, even this storm, tries its worst, Jesus can't be stopped and His mission as the Saviour, as the Messiah. He says, quiet to the storm, and it is. He says, be still to the waves, and they are. By a word, He calms the storm. This is a confirmation of all that Jesus has been teaching in the Gospel up to this point. He's been teaching, what's He been teaching about? About the Word of God, being like a seed sown in good soil, and what happens? It sprouts up and produces fruit in people's lives. He's been teaching about a farmer scattering seed on the ground and the farmer does what? Nothing. And the seed of the word grows and grows. Jesus has been teaching about the tiny mustard seed growing up into the bee, the biggest plant in the garden, the biggest tree. For the kingdom is, looks small at the beginning but will be revealed as large. And this, is all, this all happens through the power of Jesus' word. So what Jesus has been teaching about in Mark's Gospel, in the parables, he actually shows it uh, in this miracle. He's been teaching about his word, and now he demonstrates the power of his word in this miracle. He speaks, and the waves listen and the wind listens. So, friends, don't doubt the power of Jesus' word. With a word, he can calm a storm. This miracle shows us who Jesus is. He's sovereign, he's king, he's in charge. By a word, he can stop the storm. The Lord Jesus is the Lord of Israel, the God spoken of in the Old Testament, which these disciples were just sort of beginning to realise. Psalm 89 verse 8 says, you rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up, you still them. That's what Jesus does here. God is the one who sends and stills the waves. Listen to Psalm 107 and Jesus fulfils these words in this Psalm. Psalm 107 verse 23, it says, Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. Jesus calms the storm. Jesus does what God does. By his word, he calms the wind and the waves. So there was a great storm and now a great calm and now is a third point. Jesus causes the disciples to have a great fear. Verse 40, he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You see, Jesus contrasts here, makes a contrast between fear and faith. Verse 40, The word fear, for fear that Jesus uses here, means timid or cowardly. The disciples were cowering, they were afraid for their lives and that moment God exposes what is going on at the surface of their hearts. No doubt as fishermen they they thought they could handle it, they were accomplished. No doubt they had done this journey many times and yet they found themselves in a situation outside of their control. God had brought them into a storm where the odds seemed impossible. They thought they had no way out and that the waves would bring them to the bottom of the ocean, bottom of the sea. Death was at the door. And when these waves crash down, God brings light. He shows shows them they have a frail faith. And Jesus asks them, why are you afraid like this? Don't you have faith in me? He asks. Now, being afraid isn't always a bad thing. Uh, Being afraid of danger is healthy, right? Fear keeps you from playing with snakes. That's a good thing. Not every fear is sinful. Because if you don't have a healthy fear, the danger is you become self-reliant uh, you can believe you've mastered life. You can rely on yourself for your own security. And it can lead to a lack of prayer. Or you don't need God, you think. A lack of dependence on Him. But there is a fear. There is a, there's a boundary, right? There is a fear that goes beyond that, that. Beyond that healthy fear. And that's what Jesus is honing in on here. It's a fear that leads to despair, and away from God. It's a fear that doesn't exercise faith in God, it's a fear that weakens and crushes faith. Jesus says to the disciples, where's your trust gone? Where is it? Don't you remember that all I've done, all that I've done and the miracles that I've done? You see, Jesus is literally in the same boat as these disciples. He's literally going through the exact same storm as these disciples. He's there with them and yet their faith is wavering and they're despairing. In the face of disaster, they forget that Jesus has said that he is their Messiah and indeed their God. Our fears, when we're afraid, it's always tainted by sin. That's what we're like. Our fears are always tainted by sin. Sin runs deep within us We are often like these disciples when hard times come upon us, when you feel like there's too much water coming in, when you're getting swamped, when there's bad news upon bad news. You know, we may know in our head that Jesus is Lord, that he's in the boat, so to speak. We may know that God is the one who sends and stills storms, that he's the king and in charge of this world. And yet, when we're anxious, when we're stressed and worried, we're like these disciples here. We can despair. We can turn away from God rather than call on God. We can be filled with dread, such that it erodes our peace and evaporates our hope in God's promises. But in those moments, think of what God has promised us in Christ. If you're a Christian here today, Jesus has said that he will never leave you, that he is at hand, that we can cast our anxieties upon him. Jesus promises that he is powerful and working all things for good. That he is Lord even over disasters, however small they might be or however great they might be. You know, we might come to a point, even we might say to Jesus, don't you care? Aren't you concerned, Jesus? And in those moments, we can remember. Please remember that Jesus is with you. Remember that he is in the boat. You know, we don't know whether the storms we face in our life will just be taken away Um, like this miracle here, we don't know that. God can do that. But Jesus doesn't promise to instantly fix troubles in our lives. But we can know with certainty and confidence that Jesus isn't busy doing other things. He's not distracted or um, He's not on the phone. He's not away. He's not doing something else. No, He's on the throne in heaven ruling as our great High Priest, our merciful High Priest he is near and strong. He's in the, in the boat with you. And so verse 41, this is where it's all been heading. Verse 41, the disciples been, uh, had been afraid of the storm, but then they see what Jesus does to the storm, right? And their fear gives way to fear. They are filled with an even greater fear because of what Jesus does. And they ask the question, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who's this guy? Who can do this? You know, this story in Mark is written in such a way as to compare Jesus with Jonah, um, the prophet Jonah, which was the reading we had before. Jesus is the greater Jonah. You see, both Jesus and Jonah, they fall asleep in a boat. Jonah was sleeping while he ran away from the Lord, he didn't want to listen to God. Jesus was sleeping while in perfect relationship with his heavenly Father, filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. Jonah is woken to panic and to the sailors praying. Jesus is woken to prove that he is God. Jonah is thrown overboard to calm the sea. Jesus calms the sea by speaking by his word. Both the sailors in Jonah and the disciples in the boat end up fearing God, um, as Jonah says, with an exceedingly great fear, with a great fear. And we've got to ask ourselves, who is this greater Jonah? Who is this guy? Who is it who can calm the sea by his word? You know, we could come away from this passage and from this sermon um, just reading what's going on here and think it's a nice thing that Jesus saved these people. We could think that. It's great that he saved these people from drowning. Happy ending. No one got hurt. Nice story. But if that's all we get from this passage today, then we miss the point. The disciples in this moment, they actually get it. They don't run up to Jesus and give him a hug here. No, they don't give Jesus a medal and a bunch of flowers and say, thanks for saving us. No, this is the twist in the story. They're more afraid now at the end of the story than at the beginning in the storm. They're more afraid than ever. And they ask the question, who can do it? Who can stop the wind from blowing? Who can stop the waves from crashing down? Who else but God? Fear is the wise response. A great storm, a great calm, now a great fear. The fear of the Lord, the Proverbs say, is the beginning of wisdom. There will always be times when we're afraid. There are always things outside our control. You know this. But Jesus is right there in the storm. We can know with certainty that we can know this with certainty because Jesus alone faced the fiercest storm of all. He faced the storm of the anger of God for our sin at the cross. He went through that. He endured that storm so that we need not fear whatever storms we go through because our lives are hid with Christ, safe with Christ, secure with Christ, who is seated in heaven. And so Jesus in this this, this story beckons us to put aside one sort of fear for the other sort of fear, fear of dread, a fear of faith. It's a fear that says of Jesus, you're far beyond anything that I can control, far beyond what I can comprehend. You are more powerful, more worthy than anything else. It's a better fear, it's to revere Jesus as your Lord and God, knowing that He who calmed the storm back then is right here with us today, because He's gone through a storm to secure your salvation. So, do you fear Him? Are you trusting Him? Has he your allegiance, your faith, your worship as your God? Amen.